You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning and welcome to Southridge. We're so excited to see each and every one of you. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Once again, I want to welcome you here, here this morning. And I also hope you had a wonderful Christmas. And thank you so much for making time out of your Sunday morning to worship and gather with us. This is your first time at Southridge. We are excited to have you in our services. Near your seat or on your seat is a card. It's called a connection card. So maybe you have a prayer request, a special request, want to join a ministry, or just want to stay connected with our church. Or maybe this is your first time or your second time at our church, we'd love for you to fill out that card at some point in the service. And then at the end, you can either drop it off at, in the offering basket, or you can take it to our welcome center out in the lobby where the cocktail tables are. We have a gift for you that we would love to stay connected because we are a growing church and we love to have new people and we love to have people returning. And we're so honored and thrilled that you are a part of our services. And so today we're going to do something special and unique. Uh, it is the end of the year and we are beginning to prep for 2022. And I'm excited about the year. But one thing our staff and our trustees we've been doing, I believe it's very important to guard against entitlement. And one of the best ways we can guard against entitlement is to fill in the gap with gratitude. And so what we've done as a staff was we just took an entire staff meeting. We just said, what is your greatest highlight from the previous year? What is the greatest moment? What is something that God has done? Maybe it's ministry related, personal related. And then we did it with our trustees. We just said, hey, what is that highlight moment? Well, I think it's so important as we as a church that we, before we go into this new year, 2022, that we thank God for everything he did in 2021. And I know for many of us, 2021 did not start, or maybe it's not ending quite like you want it to. But here's what I know. When my kids are grateful for even the things they got for Christmas that they didn't necessarily want, that sweater that they were like, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. You know, when, they're, when they fake it really well, it makes me want to get them something better, all right? So I'm not saying you need to fake a grateful heart before God, but there is something that happens in our lives when people are grateful around us that we want to do something for that person. So we are setting our hot heart posture in this new year with the heart of gratitude. So here's what we're going to do. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And this is a great opportunity for our church family as a family. It's a family service. Our kids are here. And this is great where you get to share a brief praise. And you say, what is a praise? Just something good you want to share. Maybe it happened in your job. Maybe it happened through church, maybe spiritually. Maybe something in your relationship. Maybe uh, something with your children. But if you say, hey, I want to share something that just, it's bursting out. This is a family service. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have Pastor Meese hold the mic. You're not going to be allowed to hold the mic. Because as soon as you hold the mic, all of a sudden you get long-winded. So Pastor Meese will not let go of the mic. Uh, 
He will hold it the entire time. You can grab for it. He may thump you on the head with it. So be careful, all right? So I'm going to hand him the mic. And we're just going to go around the room. And we're going to take a moment. You have a mic. Oh, awesome. I didn't know they gave you one. So you got to be careful, all right? So you just slip up a hand. Pastor Meese will find you. And then if you want to share a testimony. Now, even children, you say, I got a testimony. God's been good. Then you can go ahead and share one. So here's what we're going to do. It's always, the first person is always the hardest, okay? So uh, I I don't want to put my wife on the spot. So don't make me put on the spot. So if you have one, just shoot up your hand, and Pastor Meese will find you in the room. Who's going to go first? All right, Mark's got one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This year, my faith has been rejuvenated. You know, Amen. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm so excited to look. I look forward to every Sunday now, you know. The mm. uh, Lord has blessed me immensely, you know. My brother had heart, open heart surgery, man, and, you know, he's a big part of my life, man. What a blessing yeah. that he's still here to share this day with Amen. Me, you know, and I'm just, I'm truly blessed, and I know it. I Amen. 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 That's powerful. Who's next? That was great. I'll come right back. I just want to thank the Lord for having uh, my two sons come to me with, to church today. today. Amen. Uh, yes. I feel blessed. I'm just grateful. Um, I was reading a passage this morning in Psalm 146, verse 6, where it says, He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. And I love this best part. He keeps every promise forever. And as I look back in um, 2020, 2021, I feel like 2020, we had so many fears. And I remember hearing a pastor said, how many of those fears actually happened? And mm. as I just think about all those fears, it was like, man, none of them actually happened. And just looking back last year where our church was, um, I think pastor remember this, the last Sunday was probably the most discouraging Sunday for us. <laughs> we had the COVID outbreak at the church, and it was just discouraging. And then a year later where we are now, it's just... You know, gosh, it's been really good. Amen. Amen. I'm going to come right back to you, I promise. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready this time. <laughs> Last time I did this, I wasn't. Um, but um, anyway, um, yeah, I'm really thankful uh, because uh, my son Jonathan and his wife Natasha had twins about a month and a half ago. Amen. And, uh, they were preemies. They were in danger, um, especially the one baby was was really in danger. His life was at risk. So they took the babies early, about nine weeks early, and they weighed about two pounds and three pounds at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, God has been good. The nurses and doctors have been good. And uh, we are just so thankful. Those babies are now five and six pounds and wow. ready to come home soon. <laughs> oh, Lord. I love my year this um, year was getting baptized and share the moment with my dad. Oh, wow. Yes. So good. I see Lynn in the back. Okay. I'll go right back to you. I'll be brief. So my brother mentioned the, the health deal I had, and I'm just so grateful to continue to be here. And you, you, I got to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what, 
what's the, this next year? What's my mission on this next year? So he's already given me somewhat of a new heart. So uh, I'm still waiting for that answer. So we're praying, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. That's My name is Lynn, and I just wanted to say um, prayer works. Uh, my favorite cousin had been sick in the ICU for three weeks, and she had a bleeding lung um, due to cancer. And she had to go in, and she was released from the hospital, and then she had to go in for another procedure because she still had fluid in her lungs. And Pastor Misael called and prayed with me one night, and the next day was supposed to be my cousin's procedure. And I texted her that day, and I said, how are you feeling? And she said, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. I was supposed to have a procedure today, but they canceled it because uh, I didn't have any more fluid in my lungs. So Amen. I wow. So <laughs> Amen. Amen. Powerful. Powerful. Who's next? Come right over here to Sally. I am so thankful that I have found my home in Southridge. <laughs> and I was baptized. My son oh, yes. and his family are attending church here. I've had so many blessings, and I expect more. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so good. Hi, uh, my name is Oscar. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord that um, my wife is back. My wife has been gone for six months. Many of you know that. And we are very thankful that uh, my father-in-law was a very, in a very critical, very dangerous situation. He has two fatal conditions. One is a heart condition. Another one is a new condition which, in which the, um, his blood vessel swelled from 0.5 cm to 4.5 cm. Blood vessel. Right, and the doctor say if it swells to five, it's going to burst and he's going to die. It's a major artery, and uh, and if the the problem is if they try to operate on this thing, it's going to trigger the heart, and then he's going to die of heart attack. So it's like a whatever condition. Yeah. So uh, we are trapped. We are in an almost hopeless situation. That's why Faith rushed to go back, and her sister too. Her sister is visiting us, and we are thankful after a, a big ordeal and many things. A lot of challenges, but we got our father-in-law, my father-in-law back, and he's still Amen. surviving and happily yes. climbing trees and stuff like that. So this this man is amazing, and uh, so I'm thankful that uh, my sister-in-law, the family, is visiting, and so we're having a good time. So thank the Lord. Amen. These are great. Who else is next? We got a few more minutes. All right. Well, I am thankful that my sister brought me to Southridge. Um, not only me, but she brought my son and my husband, who was a, of different faith. He s slowly came in with us. and um, But I'm also most grateful for her and, number one, her Christmas cookies. And <laughs> <laughs> that she bought me a family Bible this year. And oh, so wow. that was just precious to me and I love her and I love the church and amen. 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 Right in the very back, Pastor Meese. Right. I got you. 
Hey, I'm um, grateful this year for um, particularly one of the highlights was a co-worker who I prayed for and she was worried while she was pregnant, her baby, she was told the baby had a heart defect. So I prayed for her and they were gonna induce her early and they checked and they said there was, when they checked her, there was no heart defect and she delivered a healthy baby girl. So, amen, amen. Now eight months and healthy. So, That's great, thanks. wonderful. Thanks Getting our steps in today. There we go. We'll take just a few more. So I'm here because I made a promise to God because uh, he saved my life after I tried taking my life. Um, I had a 25% chance of survival. Uh, and then I had some visions, and he sent down an angel to take care of me in my vision. Uh, and I told him after that I would start going to church, and I told my dad I'd go to church uh, because he gave me a new uh, lease on life. Wow. So I'm very wow. happy about that. Wow. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Well, we're just thankful that we found this church and you wonderful people. Oh. I just can't do this. I can get up and sing, but this is hard. <laughs> Um, I'm just so thankful for all of you and your encouragement and for God's encouragement in our lives. And this guy is my, he's my, he's my hero. <laughs> so um, anyway, we're thrilled to be here and um, just thank you so much. God is really working here and it's just wonderful to see and, and to experience. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Last one. Anybody want to go for the last one? Last one. Going once. Going twice. Selena all the way back. Oh, we've got two. We'll do, uh, oh, we've got three. Do we have three? Let's take, do three. These are the last three. There we go. Do the last three. Okay. So yesterday I saw my cousin for the first time in a few years, and he was saying, oh, my gosh, I found Jesus. I'm so happy now. And it made me really happy. And he said, I can't talk to anyone about this, but I'm glad I can talk to you about it. I just want to say that um, I'm thankful um, for God's grace um, that he's given all year. Um, I had a lot of health scares this past year, and the Lord has um, pulled me through them. And um, with um, just that confidence that he would, you know, do um, his will upon me. So I'm thankful for that and for this church. And um, I'm thankful... Um, I'm just thankful for Jesus and what he can do in anyone's life. So, Amen. Amen. Then the last one, Selena's going to close it out. Uh, hi, everybody. So uh, first and foremost, I want to thank God and also just... Uh, Jacob, for inviting us to Southridge. Uh, we had been attending another church, but after uh, many conversations with Jacob and God stirring something in my heart, and now my myself, my wife, and my kids, now we're part of Southridge and just 
praise God for just stirring something in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Did Selena have one or she was just signaling? Last year's highlight was finding Southridge, and the beautifulness of God is that now my highlight is Jesus is in every element of my life. My coworkers literally are coming to me talking about Jesus, and we're able to just have common conversation. And the other day, I had a coworker who had twins, and he lost one, and he was just breaking down. And it was so cool because what Southridge has done for me is it's given me a place of, of peace in regards to church because I've served a lot of churches, and this church is just just it's a place where you can come and be encouraged and fellowship and love. And so now I'm able to go out and be peace because of Southridge's, you know, planting in me. So um, I prayed for him and he came, he came the next day a little bit more at peace. But it's just so amazing when you have every element of your life just full of Jesus. So that's my highlight. Amen. That's so good. So good. Well, I love just finishing out just highlights, and I know some people, you still have one, and that is great. Uh, it's just great to t- take a minute out of a service, and we need to do it more often, where we just talk about all the good things that God is doing, because sometimes we're in an environment where you may feel like, does God do anything good? And then you hear these testimonies just over and over how God is working, even though life is difficult. So it's just encouraging. Take your Bible, if you would, Romans chapter number four. Let's go to Romans chapter number four. And I'm excited that you are here. I'm looking forward to this upcoming year. And I love that we have the kids together and we can do a family service. It does a couple of things. It allows our rich kids ministry to kind of get a a partial Sunday off. There is nursery available zero to two. So if you do have zero to two year olds, it's right in the conference room. And you can just go in there. Uh, And so we hope you were able to take access to that. But along with this idea of starting a new year, I hope you had a great Christmas. I also hope that you have a great New Year's. I hope that you have a great day. I hope that you have a great week. Have you noticed we use I hope a lot? And maybe, maybe you say it uh, like a lot in the ways of like, oh, I hope that uh, I don't get COVID. I hope that I find a wife. I hope that my plane doesn't crash. I hope you don't say that out loud though, you know, on, on the, as you're boarding. Uh, I, hope I, don't, I hope I get good grades. Just think about all the times that you say I hope. I mean, I hope, fill in the blank. We talk about hope a lot, but do you ever stop to think about what is hope? I mean, what is hope? Is, it, is hope really just a, a fancy word for a wish? Because that kind of is what it feels like. When you say, I hope so, it's almost like, well, I wish so. And yet for the believer, for the Christian, hope should be different. Uh, I've heard people say, hope is not a strategy. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Hope is not a strategy. Yeah, it's a common saying, but I think we miss out that though hope may not be a strategy, it should be part of every strategy. Hope is so important. There was a uh, CEO who took over Ford. His name was, I believe it is Alan Mulally, if I'm pronouncing his last name correct. And, he, and when he was asked with, how was he going to bring Ford back from the brink? Because they thought the company was dead in 2007, 2008. And they asked Alan, the Forbes did an interview on him. They said, why do you think that you can bring it back? And he said, because I have hope. And everybody just thought, well, hope is not a strategy. And then he came back and said, it may not be a strategy, but hope has to be a part of every strategy. Because without hope, then there's no reason to keep going. If there's no hope in your marriage, you're not going to continue in your marriage. 
If there's no hope in that job, you're not going to continue. If there's no hope for your children, you're going to give up on your children. If there's no hope in Christianity, you're going to give up on Christianity. So do you see how hope is so important? Someone has said it like this. Hope is faith's cheerleader. You see, you and I, we have faith, but what keeps our faith going? Hope. Hope is faith's cheerleader. Hope is there when your faith is about to fail that hope says, come on, you can do it. Get back up. Get back in the word. Get back to church. Come on. Finish the year strong. Start off 2022 strong. That's what hope does. But how often we just kind of discount hope. We just kind of look at hope as kind of one of those throwaway virtues that, you know, those people that got it, good for them that they have hope. I don't have any hope. And it shows that our country doesn't have hope when suicide is up 200% just in the Bay Area. I talked to two different people last week that both had lost family members to suicide. And I was just thinking, this is becoming a reoccurring theme. When people commit suicide, it's because they lost hope. And when you lose hope, you, that's the last thing to lose. And my fear is that too often the church can look at hope and says, ah, it's not that important. But we have a theme verse. We have a theme passage that we're going to move through in the year 2022. And that's in Romans 4. And I love it because hope is so prevalent in this passage. Notice if you would, verse number 17 says, As it was written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is God speaking about Abraham. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. What a powerful little couple of words. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. I want to kind of dissect that in just a moment because that really is a confusing statement. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. I love that. He didn't waver, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. I want to look at three aspects of hope. The three different types of hope this morning. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would allow our church as we go into this new year for us to be filled with hope. Would you give us a healthy dose of hope this morning? Would you help us to realize just how powerful hope can be in this season? When it seems like people's hope is fading, where people more and more are beginning to say all hope is lost, where they're giving up on family, giving up on the fact that you can still do great things, that you can still do miracles, that you can still do wonders. God, would you allow our church to be a place where hope arises anew and afresh in our hearts? We love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless it and may it minister to those who hear it. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. There's three different types of hope. I'm going to give it to you right off the bat. If you want to take notes or if you have our app, you can follow along. First of all, there are those that have no hope. No hope. Then secondly, there are those who have a false hope. And then we'll end it with those who have a true hope. So we're going to talk about three types of hope. 
But first of all, let's go to those who have no hope. Here is a man. His name is Abraham. Abraham was told in Genesis chapter number 12 that he was going to be the father of many nations. Only one problem. He's in his late 80s. And stuff doesn't quite work in your 80s like it did when you were younger. So you would think that if God was going to give a promise to somebody, he would give the promise to somebody who could actually perform it. And some of us are really frustrated with God right now because God told you to do something and you're looking at your resources, your energy, your ability, and you're saying, God, you picked the wrong person. I'm not able to do this. Because logic says that if God is going to go ask somebody to be the father of many nations, he's going to make sure it's somebody whose wife is not barren and has fertility issues. That's just what logic says. But that's not what God does. You see, too often, we don't understand that our dysfunction is by God's design. That you look at your dysfunction like, why am I not like this? And why don't I have this? And God is stepping back. It's by design. Touch your neighbor and just say, your dysfunction's by design. That, that, that's by design. God, God planned that, all right? We know that for sure. Now, after that motivational boost of energy that you just got from that loved one, I just felt like we need to get that out of our system. But it's good to know that, guess what? If it's by design, that means God has a plan to use it. But too often, before God can ever use it, we live in this world where we have no hope. We don't even give God the chance to use that situation. So here's God coming to Abraham and saying, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, God then begins to illustrate it. It's a famous passage in Genesis 12. You can read it. He said, Abraham, look up. And Abraham looks up and looks at the stars of the sky. They say that the naked eye can see up to 7,000 stars. That's a lot of stars. They say that just in our own Milky Way galaxy, there's over 300 billion stars. That's a lot of stars. And then God doesn't stop with the stars. God says, as the sand of the seashore, so shall your descendants be. They, scientists, say, they say a lot of things, but this is one of the things they say when I was studying this. They said, it's an accurate description that however many grains of sand there are in the world, that's how many stars there are in the universe. So what an amazing picture that God was giving to Abraham. Here's a guy that doesn't have like, oh, well, you've got three sons or you've got two sons and you've got that one son that you're just like, I don't know if he'll ever get a wife. Like I just, I, God, I know you think this is going to happen, but man, you know, uh, just no, no, no. This guy has no sons and it's not like his wife's got one in the oven. It's, it's, there's just, there's no, and then adoption that wasn't, didn't, they, it, it didn't make any sense. So it would have been easy for Abraham to say, I don't have any hope. But is that what the passage tells us? No. It says, contrary to hope, in hope he believed. What is the opposite of hope? Pessimism. Despair. That's the opposite of hope. So it's saying, hey, contrary to pessimism and despair, he, in hope, believed. What you and I are faced with in this coming year is pessimism and despair. That's what culture is being fed 24-7 on a constant loop. Pessimism and despair. Pessimism and despair. You watch any news channel. I don't care if it's your favorite one. I don't care if it's uh, more extreme one way or the other. They are both pushing pessimism and despair because we are addicted to it. But pessimism and despair kills hope. 
And we wonder why we live in a society where people are just done. They're just ready to give up. They're just ready to end it. Why? Because they've lost hope. But yet, if we have Jesus, we have hope. Amen? And that's what we as a church need to have. Not just to build a building, buy property, build something, see people reach. But we need to have hope that God is going to work and do great miracles. And I'm excited that we're going to end next year and we're going to look back on the things that God did. And it's going to start with us saying, hey, we need a healthy dose of hope this morning. So allow God to move you away from having no hope. And there are those who have no hope. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said this about those who have no hope. He said in Ephesians 2 verse 12, he says, Remembering that you were at the same time separate from Christ, excluded from the people of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There are those who have no hope in this world. And that's why Southridge is in San Jose, to give people hope. That's what we are. We are hope pushers. We need to push people towards hope. Because everywhere they go, they are going to be met with despair and pessimism. So when they meet you, they should see somebody who's filled with hope. You know, Alan Mulally, he almost got fired because he smiled too much. They said he's just too happy as a CEO. And they were like, why are you always smiling? Do you not understand where Ford is? And he's like, it's okay. We have hope. And they were like, this guy is clueless. Wouldn't it, why would it be such a bad thing if everywhere you went, you were just happy about it? That you were excited to be there? You say, but it's the DMV. Who cares? They need that hope. They need somebody smiling in there. Wherever you go, you just say, you know what? I'm a hope dealer. And then Peter even says this. Be ready to answer everybody who asks you about the hope that lies within you. What happens is Christians so often look like we are sucking on Sour Patch Kids and lemons that when people meet us, they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want what they've got. Or they see how we treat our spouse or how we treat that barista or we treat that waiter. And it's just like, wait a minute. We need to tell people about the hope that lies within us. We need to be those hope dealers. Because there's a lot of people that have no hope. And it should break our hearts that they have no hope. We should see it as a mission to get them hope. That we should help them and encourage them. Because there is no great future without hope. You have no future without hope. We as a church have to be hope filled. Because that's what encourages our faith. But some of us, you know why we don't have hope? Because when you have hope, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Some of you got a gift you didn't want. Some of you didn't get the job that you wanted. Some of you didn't get whatever. You, you fill in the blank. And you were like, man, I was hoping for it too. I was hoping for a raise. I was hoping for a bonus. I was hoping for this. I'd hope my family would come for Christmas. I would hope this person would come to church with me. I was hoping, I was hoping, I was hoping. And what happened, some of you have given up on hope because you're tired of being disappointed. And so you are what I call playing it safe. And you call it, I'm just trying to live cautious. But what you call cautious has really turned into a life of captivity. Because you are now bound in this prison where you can't have any hope. But Abraham, he easily could have been there, couldn't he have? That God is saying, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations with no children. But yet at that time, he said, hey, then I'm going to have to have hope. And his hope is what fed and encouraged his faith so that he could continue. And you and I need it. And it's easy to have no hope, but we need to say, you know what? I'm not going to live cautious. I'm going to live hope-filled. 
There's a story about a man who was uh, about to be executed by a king. This happened a long time ago. And it came to the king, and the king said, I'm going to execute you. You did this. I don't like it. And so your life is overdone. And he said to the king, he said, you know, king, all right, you're going to execute me, but I want to make a bargain with you. Would you spare my life if I can teach your favorite horse how to fly? The king was like, okay, you have one year to teach my favorite horse how to fly. So the guy was like, all right. A servant who overheard the conversation went up to the guy and said, you're still a dead man. There's no way that you can do this. He said, I don't know, but I've given myself four chances to live. In one year's time, the king may die. In one year's time, I might die. In one year's time, the horse might die. (laughs) Or I just might teach that horse how to fly. You see, you and I are going to be faced with people who have no hope. But we have to say, you know what? I do have hope. Scripture in Hebrews chapter number 6, verse number 19, it says we have a hope which is anchor, which is an anchor for the soul. Why would Scripture use such vivid knowledge, vivid pictures of what hope does for your soul? It is that anchor. When the storms of life are raging around you, that you say, I've got an anchor that I'm sinking down into the Word of God. It is my firm foundation. I will sing about how good God is. I will worship Him. I will praise Him, no matter how dark it is, because I've got an anchor. Culture needs to know that there are people that are still grounded and rooted in something that is ageless and timeless. And they're looking at the church, and yet you and I, sometimes we don't have the answer. And this morning, let this passage guide us in this new year. Let it be something where we realize, I have hope. So first of all, there are people that have no hope. There are second, there are those people who have a false hope. We see in Genesis chapter number 16 that Abraham and Sarah, after chapter 12, they were waiting a while, still no kids. So finally, they come up with an idea. We know how else we can get kids. Abraham, I've got a maid. Go ahead and sleep with her, and we'll have kids through her. Not God's plan, but they came up with false hope. And there are some people like that. Instead of you waiting on God, trusting God, having faith on God, you're going to come up with your own false hope. And may I warn you how dangerous that can be. May I warn you that when you are tempted to give up and to capitulate, that you say, no, 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 I'm not going to find a false hope. We have a lot of people that they will look for a false hope. You see, if your Christian faith doesn't last beyond the 45 minutes that you're at church, then you have a false hope. If you are just living simply off of a sermon on a Sunday, you have a false hope. What you and I need is something so much deeper. We need a relationship with God that is direct and we have access to him. But so many times what Christians have, and this is why Christians are, have no problem being done with the church, have no problem following some, uh, what I would call false teaching, what I would call not in the Bible, what they have no problem being led off and led astray because they actually don't have a real hope. They got a false hope. And you and I need to say, do I have a real hope? Am I manipulating this thing? Am I messing this thing up? You see, It's hard to have hope when the gap between what I am seeing and what God is saying seems to be growing. You see, all of us have a date with death. All of us know that at one point, our life is going to end. At some point, we hope that it's not for a long time. 
So you got to think if you're in Abraham's shoes, you're getting older every day and still no children. So you're getting closer to the finish line and still it hasn't happened. And that gap is widening. And for some of you, it's like, man, I've been going a long time without a job. I've been going a long time without my children coming back to you. I've been going a long time without my marriage being restored. I've been going a long time serving God, and I just seem not, not seeing victories. And so the gap is widening. And in that gap is where Satan comes in and starts whispering things to us. Like, God's abandoned you. He's giving up on you. He doesn't care about you. Those people don't care about you. Just quit. Just walk away. Because you see this gap that's growing. And it's easy at that point when you see something that's different to what God is saying. But we have to come back to God's word and say, no, no, no. God's word is a sure foundation. God said it. In the light, so I'm not going to doubt it in the night. I'm going to stick with what God and his word says. That's why I feel like this passage is so important. Because it's a great reminder for us this year. This coming year is not going to be a perfect year. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be heartbreak. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be expense. There's going to be loss. And yet you and I need to have an anchor for the soul. You and I need to have a hope that is not a no hope or a false hope. We need a real hope this morning. And we need something deep and that lasts. But too often, we look at the widening gap and we miss out on what God wants to do. You see, it may be disappointing to accept what I am, but I'm going to work with what I've got. You and I have to make that decision this year. Sometimes it's hard to accept what I am, but I've got to work with what I've got. You see, Too often we miss out that God says, that's exactly what I want to use. I want to use you in the dysfunction because that's how I designed you. That's how I made you. But too often what we do is we give into a false hope. We don't realize that God's saying, no, just work with what you've got. God was going to use Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was going to be 96 years old when he has Isaac. Sarah's going to be in her late 80s and they're going to have a child. His name's going to be Isaac. And it's a miraculous child. You and I have to get to the point where we're just saying, God, I'm going to work with what I've got. If this is what I have, I'm going to work with it. I'm not going to be like the parable of the talents where the one guy has five and he multiplies it. The one guy has three and he multiplies it. And the one guy only got one. What did he do? He buried it. There are some Christians who say, I don't have as much talent as angels. So guess what? I'm not going to do anything. I don't have as much talent as Lydia. So guess what? I'm not ever going to get involved. I don't have as much talent as Jane, so I'm not going to do anything. And you're burying that talent instead of saying, wait a minute, I got something. I'm going to work with what I have in this new year. And instead of just missing out, and some of you are just holding back on all these gifts you've got. And it's this hoarding mentality, the scarcity mentality. What are you waiting for? Why are you waiting? Are you waiting for a sign in the sky? God to say, hey, we need you. Yes, a light from the sky shining on you. Or are you just saying, you know what? I'm just going to work with what I've got. I think it's amazing when people just step up and say, I'm just going to work with what I've got. And God does some amazing things. Amazing things. Because you look at that person and they stand out as such a testimony. Because you see that they have difficulties. You see that they have struggles. You know, one of mine, you guys know this, I have the worst hearing. It's embarrassing how bad my hearing is. But what's the one good thing a pastor should be good at? Listening. 
I can't listen. Like, it's embarrassing how bad my hearing is. They keep saying, you need hearing aids. And I'm like, no, I don't. They're like, you can't hear. And I was like, yes, I can. I'm reading your lips right now. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. But you say, God, I'm going to work with what I've got. Yeah, I may have this handicap or I may have this, but God, I'm not going to let that stop me from what you want to accomplish. But yet too often, and here's what we do. We take our vulnerabilities and we hide them because we want to appear more valuable. So there's a part in your life and my life that's vulnerable. And so we hide it because we want to appear more valuable instead of just simply saying, you know what, God, you could do great things with this because we measure success by how it's going, but God measures success by where it's going. And you and I are just measuring success, like how many sales, how much money, how many cars, how big is the house, how, how healthy is the family. And God's like, that's good that you measure it like that. That's not how I measure it. That's not how I measure it. God measures it differently. God says, what are you laying up treasures in heaven? Are you laying up gold, silver, precious stones? Or are you laying up wood, hay, and stubble? Things that easily burn. What, what are you doing? You see, this new year is a new year where we get to reset and reprioritize. We get to say, God, I want to be used greatly with whatever you have. But it takes with, we've got to move from no hope, false hope, finally to real hope. Notice what, verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. When his faith was faltering, hope was there to hold it up. I love the fact the Bible says that he was fully convinced. You know, the word fully convinced just basically means this, that Abraham was the crazy guy at the grocery store taking his wallet out and saying, hey, want to see a picture of my kids? And you're like, do you have kids? No, but you want to see pictures? I believe I'm going to have kids one day. He's the crazy guy with the vision board that's just saying, hey, I'm believing that this family member is going to be saved. He's the crazy person just saying, hey, I believe the marriage is going to be restored. I believe I'm going to get this job. He was the person that was already telling you about it before it happened. That's what it means to be fully convinced. Some of us, the reason we're not fully convinced about something is because you're not actually fully convinced about God. So until you get fully convinced about God, you can never move on to anything else. You will never be fully convinced that your marriage can make you. You'll never be fully convinced that your children come back to God. You'll never be fully convinced that the church can change the Bay Area until you are fully convinced in who God is. You start there and every other mountain looks like a molehill when you start with that mountain of being fully convinced who God is. You see, Abraham had to come back to getting fully convinced of who God is. We don't have time, but you go back to Genesis chapter number 18. After he left Egypt, where did he go? He went back to Bethel. That was called the house of God. That's where he met with God. And he sees God. And he's like, oh man, I messed up in chapter 16. Chapter 18, he gets a view of God. Guess what happens next? He gets Isaac. You and I are missing out on some of the greatest things in our life because we are not fully convinced of who God is and what he can do. Not only in us, but also through us. And the greatest miracle that God does is your salvation. I know you want to see all these great things and accolades and be famous and have likes and have money and status and cars and all these things. But understand the greatest miracle is salvation. We start there and then we get a vision from God and we say, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Remember our prayer series? It's all about what God wants to do, not what we want to do. 
We start with what God wants to do, and we get in alignment with that. And then when we start working on what God wants, all of a sudden, big things start to happen. You want to see miracles? You want to see things that the world has never seen before? Then you say, God, the greatest miracle is salvation. After that, it's bringing your kingdom to this earth. What, is, what do you want to do? I live in San Jose. I work at Google. I work here. I go to school here. I'm in this neighborhood. What do you want to do here? You want to see God do something big in Africa, but you won't even start in your own street. Let's start there. You want to see God do something big in our White House, but you're not even willing to start in your house. My wife and I are reading a book called uh, uh, The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. Great book. We read it at night. We're, we're working through it. And it's saying, hey, everybody wants revival all across the country. You're like, yeah, I want those politicians to get right with God or just burn. You know, or I just want, I just want the Hollywood to just, just go. We just send them on a little island. They all just need to leave. You know, and I want this to happen. But what about in your own house? What's happening there where nobody sees where you could shut the door? Where the pastor's not around? Where your Bible study people aren't around. What really happens? What do you really talk about? What do you really watch? That's what's hindering the greatest move of God right there. It's because we want it everywhere else, but we're not willing to pay the price. We're not willing to do it, but we want everybody else to do it. We want everybody else to do what we're not willing to do. But for the Christian, we go first. We say, God, I will lead by example. God, I will pick up my cross and I will follow you. Because we understand that God's promises are always backed by God's power. You see, God gave a promise to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have children. And Abraham said, if God said it, that settles it. Amen. Let me cash in on that check. If I were to write you a check for $1 million and hand it to you, what do you think is going to happen? Just take a wild guess. Shout out what's going to happen with that million dollar check. Bounce. Higher than a basketball. It's going to bounce hard. And you're going to owe your bank $20 for that bounce check. But what if my last name is Bezos and I write you a million dollar check? What are you going to do with that? You're going to be like, that's it, man? Only a million? Come on. No, you're going to cash that real quick before he changes his mind. Because you know he's good for every red cent. Why? It's all in the name. So when God signs you a promissory note that says it's backed by me, you don't think he's going to come through? You don't think he's going to come through this year? Yes, God is going to come through in 2022 because God said it. And we've got to get back to that. You see, here's what I love. The enemies of your today will become your testimonies of tomorrow. You're facing some enemies this new year. Some are figurative, some are literal. You got somebody at your work trying to fire you, dealing with some situation, dealing with that. You say, I don't know what to do about it. I'm telling you today, the enemies of today will become your testimonies of tomorrow. If you would have told me a year ago when it was me and about 40 people showing up to our Christmas Eve service, last service of the year, that where I was going to be a year later, sitting on six acres, $2 million worth of property, or we're going to have a church that's galvanized where we've got adding new staff, can't wait to in- introduce them to you in the new year, where God is building and God is moving, people are being saved and baptized. Half of you are brand new to the church within the last six months. You, sometimes we, we just forget how God is moving, how God is working. If you would have told me that a year ago, and I would have been like, hmm, honey, what are you on? I could really use some. Because I don't believe it. But that's what God can do in just... Six months. And guess what? Today we were even sharing testimonies that a year ago you weren't even 
You weren't even sure about that. Some of you a year ago didn't even know about the church, didn't even know that God was knocking on your heart trying to talk to you. Didn't even know you were going to take that life step. But then let me finish with this. We got kids in the room there, Nancy. It doesn't matter who your opponent is if you know the outcome. It doesn't matter the opponent if you know the outcome. The best part of this whole passage is that Abraham could have lived to be 200 years old. That's irrelevant. The age is irrelevant. Do you get that? Because God said it was going to happen. What you and I look as the barrier, God is like, that is nothing. I just want to see how your hope is. Because when you have real hope, all of a sudden you're like, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Floyd Mayweather, step into the ring. It don't, it don't matter. Manny Pacquiao, step into the ring. It don't matter. It, it doesn't matter who I'm going up against. Because when I have confidence that God said it, then I know the outcome. And then we say, my hope can handle it. My hope can handle it. Alexander the Great, when he was conquering the known world, they were leaving Greece. And they were gone for years. He went to his top commanders and generals and says, we're going to be gone on this campaign for years. I want to make sure your family's taken care of. So Alexander the Great began to sell off all of his land. And then he began to give money to his generals so they could provide for their families. One of his top generals came to him and said, Alexander, you're selling everything. What is left for you? And Alexander the Great looked at his top general and he said, I have only reserved hope for me. His top general said, well, if it's enough for you, then it's enough for me. And they ended up conquering the known world with hope. How powerful is that? How powerful is it? When Alexander the Great gets it, but God's people don't, how powerful would it be if this new year you went in with renewed hope? Not I hope so. I hope for the best. I expect the worst. No. No. My hope is faith's cheerleader. And my hope is telling my faith, this is going to be an amazing year. God is going to see people saved. God is going to wreck the house. God is going to do so many things. It's going to be exciting. That's what hope does to the faith. And that's what you and I need. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we need you. God, we need you in this new year. Our hope can handle a lot of things if we would let it. And Father, I'm afraid, though it's too easy to just kind of leave hope dying by the wayside instead of simply trusting you. And instead of simply saying, God, we're going to trust you through the storm. God, would you help us now? Heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me in this new year that my hope would be steadfast, it'd be sure, and it'd be unmovable. Pray for me, Pastor, for my hope. Would you slip up your hand? Nobody looking around. I want to pray for you. Oh, praise God. Look at all the hands. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to worship together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these hands. God, these aren't hands. These are hearts that say we want to be filled with hope for this new year. Hope for our generation. Hope for our city. Hope for our children. Hope for our relationship. Hope for our businesses. Hope for our jobs. Hope for the future. Hope for our country. Hope for the world, God. That's what we want. So right now, help us, God, with our hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship together. 
We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.